0: you're putting your money in the biggest scam in history which is called a 401k, right? You're locking your money up in something that you can't touch. It makes crappy returns and it has high fees. And you're locking your money in those things. That's a joke. Like you can never retire off that crap. So don't invest in those places. Invest in places that have been proven to work. Real estate is a very time-tested proven place to put money and it works.
1: Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate, from co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now, let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, you know it. I buy multifamily properties with investors who partner with me on my deals. So if you enjoy the podcast, I ask you to pause for a second, go to iTunes, give me a five-star ratings, hopefully, and you know, share some feedback, share with your friends as well. That would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. All right. Let's get started. So my guest today is Chris Miles. Chris, the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor, teaches entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. So he's an authored podcast host of the Chris Miles Money Show, and he has been featured in US News, CNN Money, and many more. So Chris lives with his family in Utah and is also known as a talented ballroom dancer. Very interesting, Chris. I want to learn more about that. But without further ado, I would like to welcome Chris to the show. Hey, Chris, welcome to Ready to
0: Scale. Hey, appreciate you having me on, Ellie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Chris, you know, we were chatting a little bit before we started officially recording. And if you can just share with me and our listeners a little bit about, you know, your background and how you started investing in real estate, I think that would be very helpful.
0: Yeah, you know, my background actually started almost 20 years ago as a mainstream traditional financial advisor, you know? So basically telling people not to buy real estate, right? Because if I wasn't making a commission on it, like every other financial advisor would say, don't buy it, right? So I was that traditional mainstream guy, salesman in a suit, trying to sell you crap. After four years of doing that, about 2006, I started to meet guys that were real estate investors, guys that had been able to retire in their 20s and 30s. And I thought, yeah, right, that's too good to be true. But uh, one of them posed a good question. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? And I said, well, probably none of them because even the retired ones still watch CNN. If you watch CNN, basically you're going to worry about everything, right? You're going you're to die of every disease out there and you're going to die broke and unhappy. So that's CNN for you, right? But then uh, he says, okay, well, how about you guys? As financial advisors, you know guys have been in this industry for 30 plus years. If anybody's got this figured out, it should be you guys, right? So how many of you guys are financially free, not off the commissions and the business earning, but actually off these stupid mutual funds you've been telling people to invest in? And I said, none, probably none. He's like, that's my point, right? And it really woke me up. I said, oh my gosh, he's right. Like, I like evidence. I like things to work. And this, if this stuff has been proven not to work even for financial advisors, well, why would it work for anyone in America for that matter? So I left it. I vowed never to teach about money again. And then in 2006, I actually started to, I still was a mortgage broker. I was teaching people how to trade stocks a little bit. But then I started getting into real estate a little bit more. And, and I started to realize like, hey, this is possible. Like, it's so much better than what you can create like the, the actual passive income you can create is so much better than saving up for decades in a fund that you hope you make six or seven percent in on average that is the real return you'll probably get in a best fund out there i'm like i could do way better just doing real estate and doing other stuff so i actually was able to retire in 2006 when i was 28 years old went through the whole recession that sucked and went from millionaire to upside down millionaire, had to dig myself back out of that hole again and retired for a second time in 2016.
1: Wow. So you were able to retire twice. That's pretty impressive. And you know, that's the American dream, right? It's not about the nine to five job, the two and a half kids and the dog and the white fence. It's about, you know, going to, I don't know, Tulum and live there and work when I want to, if I want to, and have that financial freedom. And I want to talk about a little bit about, you know, the assets that you're investing in. That's the first part of the show He's talking about the assets. What assets do you invest in? I know you're very diversified, but if you can tell me a little bit more about that and, you know, why you pick different types of asset classes to retire early, why not focus on one asset classes?
0: You definitely can. I mean, like a part of what got me to retire early both times is I I started running residual income through my business, right? Through my own company, creating multiple streams of income there while I was creating multiple streams of income in my portfolio, right? So I had what I call residual income and passive income. And of course, the money you actually work for is the active income, right? Which that's great, that's a good place to start, but you got to be able to diversify away from that. So then you're not relying on that active income. And so I started there. Like I did start my business first because that was the thing I could manipulate and do without money. And then I went as I had money, then I started to buy properties. And I love real assets. So I love buying real properties nothing against like if you do things with like paper, if you're doing note investing, things like that, that's awesome, right? But I like buying the real thing. Like I like buying, you know, whether it's single family homes or multifamily or whatever it might be, like I like buying those actual like turnkey rentals. You know, that's my favorite asset class. I even have money in syndications, you know, obviously. So I want to have money in apartments and things like that too. I even, like I was telling you before we got on the air, like I'm even looking at like franchises right now and doing some things to create other streams of income through that. I even store a lot of my money in like life insurance, you know, like I, instead of just keeping a crappy savings account, earning point, nothing percent, you know, I put money in there and I use that to go and invest and double dip on my money. So I'd make money in two places at once. So I do all kinds of things, but it always comes back to what's after this fish the last recession, what's going to be real, right? Like what's going to actually have value. It's not just something that's on a piece of paper, but something that I know is tangible and I have some recourse on it.
1: That's interesting. And when you say you know, that you wanted to invest in something real, are you alluding to some other investments that you're not going to touch that is not part of the assets that you choose to invest in?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, like for example, just today I got pitched from a guy who's out in China somewhere, I guess, but he's like, I love connecting with people that also do stuff with investing. And then he starts to pitch me on Bitcoin, right? And he's starting to say like, hey, this Bitcoin fund returns anywhere from 6 to 14% a week. And I basically called Bull on them. I said, listen, at 6 to 14% a week, I can guarantee you, if that's legit, you're going to become richer than Bezos within 10 years. And that's just not happening. I've never met a trader in any markets. And I know I was a trader, right? You do not, at best, maybe you make 20 25% average like Soros or Buffett has done. But other than that you're delusional, right? Like and there's no real value. It's like I'm like you're not an investor, you're a gambler. If you're just playing markets, you're a gambler, right? That's why I hate mutual funds. It's not a real asset. You're just getting a mere image of the company that is making money, but I mean, we saw tech stocks skyrocket in the month of August yeah. and then crash in September, you know? Like Nothing changed with the company it wasn 't getting any more profitable or less. It was still doing its thing, but people were throwing their emotions, Perceptions. their Perceptions. all perception, and that 's where gambling comes in right that's where you can't count on it and that can happen in the real estate market too right we We've been pitched so many deals on like, hey, here's the next big commercial thing i'm going to buy or this this big apartment complex we 're going to develop out in Plano, Texas, or whatever like you know all these deals being thrown out there it's like listen, like unless you can say yeah, there's this good offense, but I got a great defense. Here's the things I can do to actually make this a legit deal. You're just a gambler too. You're just trying to ride waves. You can't bank on that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And that's also what I love about real estate is that it comes with the hype. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You can hype investors. It's very easy, but it's also easy if you know what you're looking for to verify, to confirm you know, whether this is a hype or whether there's real, you know, opportunity behind the numbers, you can see, you know, if you know where to look at the T12, you look at that, you look at the, you know, Performa and you understand, okay, does it make sense to raise rents 15% in year one, especially during COVID? Because on paper, it's so easy to make every deal looks like, you know, a home run, right? So very easy. You click, you know, one cell here and one, and unless you've built in, you know, financial models and actually underwritten deals, only then you know how easy it is to mess it up, you know, to project a higher exit cap than usually a higher than it should have been, that's good, a lower than it should be. And then all of a sudden you're looking at an 18 18- 17% IRR but that's not the case. So I really like that aspect of you. you right, it it is real. It's somewhat dependent on perception, but not as much as you see in stock market is just emotions, you know, moving money right and left. And that's what, you know, I don't feel comfortable investing in the stock market because I don't know much about it. I was you know, maybe smart enough to back at the beginning of the year to see where COVID is heading. And, you know, my husband, and I pulled all of our money out of the stock market early on, I would say, I think, February around that time. So before the, the crash, because we just saw it. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles, and we knew, okay, flights are coming, you know, they're landing here from Wuhan. This is contagious. So I was wearing N95 masks, I remember, and at the airport back at the end of January, and people looked at me like I was an alien. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely influenced by people's perception which could be dangerous and you know if we're talking about perception I want to kind of shift the conversation a little bit to the strategy part of the conversation you talk a lot about anti-financial plan and I'm dying to know what is an anti-financial plan what's wrong with a financial plan isn't a financial plan a good thing
0: you know having a financial plan is great but not from a financial planner right as Kiyosaki says, how do you know financial planners are lying when they open their mouth? <laughs> oh boy. But now granted, like I know this because I was in that industry, right? Financial advisors really are good hearted people and they try and to do the best, but they learn, you know, their knowledge, their wisdom, right? From the financial companies they represent, not from real life experience, you know? So the problem is that they're just pitching you crap. It's, it's going to be come, really dumbs it down to mutual funds and insurance. And that's pretty much it. That's all they offer right? It's just some variation of those things. It's all produced by a financial firm. But the thing is that I've noticed the best things and even proof, you look at the richest people in the world, they aren't investing in this crap. That's for the poor middle class. For the people that actually want freedom, they invest in things like real estate. They invest in things that are alternative investments, things outside that a financial advisor can't make a commission on, right? That's the real stuff that's out there. Heck, even if it's an oil and gas, you got a better chance there. And you've probably have heard people say, oh, but I don't know, Ellie, it's, it sounds kind of risky or maybe too good to be true. It's like you're putting your money in the biggest scam in history, which is called a 401k, right? You're locking your money up in something that you can't touch. It makes crappy returns and it has high fees. And you're locking your money in those things. That's a joke. Like you can never retire off that crap. So don't invest in those places. Invest in places that have been proven to work. Real estate is a very time-tested, proven place to put money and it works. And it's a real asset. It's not based on hype and speculation. If you're investing in 401k, you're taking higher risk than any of us right talking right now. Like that, I guarantee it. You, you are a gambler if you're putting money in any kind of mutual fund right now. But the problem is people think, well, because everybody else is doing it, that's not risky. No, you're all taking risk, and you're all losing money. Congratulations.
1: That's very interesting. And, uh, you know, I have some investors that are investing. I think I have a few that invested through their 401ks and some through self-directed IRA, which I think is probably a, a little bit better than 401k because you can actually, you have some control over your retirement plan and you say, hey, I want to invest in this deal. It's not as great as investing cash because you can't capture some of the deductions. But So it's a little bit more complicated, but it's, you know, better than 401k. I mean, you should take ownership over your future and not let someone else, you know, decide, you know, what to buy on your behalf.
0: Well, I'll give you an example. You talk about strategy, right? Like I had a client that came to me, he's got about a million dollars, right? And he's like, okay, those million dollars in a mutual fund. I mean, if you go off of a real, like even the real financial planning, that's the salesman, right? You really should be not be planning on pulling out more than about 2% or so of your money, right? So if you have a million dollars in mutual funds, you shouldn't be pulling out more than 20,000 a year in retirement. So congratulations, you are a broke millionaire that's living below poverty level, right? Like you have a million dollars, you're a millionaire, but you can't live above poverty. That's one problem. But with a million bucks, even if you only got paid 10%, you're not even talking about 16, 17% IRR in a deal, right? Even if you got 10%, that's 100,000 a year. That's a drastically different lifestyle. And that's what opened my eyes as a, when I was the financial advisor and I left that industry was, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with rate of returns. It's all about cash flow. what creates real, actual income. And that's what people want. And so I told him, I said, hey, this million bucks you have, and by the way, his goal was 100,000 a year, right? So I said, you know, conservatively, you can make 100,000 a year, you could retire this year. Not trying to build up to, he would have to build up to $5 million in the traditional model, right, to live on 2%. I was like, you don't have to build this up to 5 million in the next 15 to 20 plus years, you could do it this year right now or you can keep working you can work because you want to not because you have to and that to me is what's what's beautiful and it doesn't matter if he does a combination of syndications which you probably will have some there someone will be buying real property but you know of his own that's being property managed so he's more turnkey for him but you know he's got all different types of funds and options he can do and and that's the beautiful thing is that there are, are options and there's hope
1: there's definitely hope that's for sure and i think you know you touched on retiring early and knowing whether you know what to do with a million dollars versus and not you know having the need to wait for five millions because you can play with it in a different way so you can actually live in a certain lifestyle and i think that's interesting which is also a good kind of uh segue to the process portion of our talk about retiring early. So walk me through, you know, the process of how somebody can do that. How can somebody retire early? I mean, how does the process look like? And what are kind of the first, you know, three steps that they need to take in order to retire early?
0: One, they have to see. They have to see differently, right? Again, have to focus on a cash flow, not accumulation, right? Everybody's about accumulation, but it's really about acceleration, right? How do we create passive income? So, you know, give you an example. I mean, you're in California. You know, I had a client in San Diego, he had a rental property in California, which I guarantee anytime somebody from the West Coast says they got a rental property, I tell them, okay, you probably want to sell it. We haven't seen the numbers yet. I'm like, I guarantee it's probably a crappy property. You probably have high equity and low cash flow. So you probably want to sell it and get out. His was no exception. He had about $500,000 of equity in this property, cash flowing $200 a month unbelievable. Now his goal, now he was thinking from a saver mentality, you know, of course he has an Asian background. So it makes sense. Like they're very much like pay off debt. So he was putting all this money back to paying off his loan. Right. So he has this high loan payment. He's trying to pay it off. He's also trying to pay off his house at the rate he was going. He would pay off both of those loans in about six years, freeing up about 4,500 a month. Right. I told him, I was like, no, let's sell that property. 1031 to other properties that are higher cash flowing, go out East, right? Look out that direction where there's better opportunity. And then let's do a cash out refinance for your house, which will give him about 400,000. So even with high, say he had high closing costs, he would still have about 800,000 in cash. And with that, it's like, even with the net payment on the mortgage, and I know I'm just throwing out numbers, but basically the net would be $75,000 year one. That would be his profit, right? Versus year six, $4,500 $4,500 a month or just over $50,000 a year. By the time you hit year five, just reinvesting his $75,000 and keep, create, why create an income avalanche, which is you keep reinvesting to build and buy more assets and that creates more cash flow each year. He would be over $100,000 in five years versus barely over 50 just trying to be debt-free, right? That's the difference. Like it's about how do we get your assets unlocked, you know? And then we were and this is how I mentioned he's got a couple hundred thousand sitting in like dumb IRA, you know? It's like, well, let's do something with that, you know, whether we self-direct it or cash it out. Especially if you've been affected by COVID this year, the CARES Act, you can avoid the 10% penalty if you've been affected, you know, even just money-wise, not even from health, right? So there's things you can do there that you can get access to cash and put that to use. Cause right now, the stock market's the highest it's been. We've got this real estate that's about the highest it's been. I mean, we've got great opportunity to get cash out to put to better work for us right now.
1: So let's say I took a million dollars. And I came to you and I said, hey, help me retire early. What do I need to do?
0: First thing we need to do is figure out what places we want to retire or like what place we want to invest, right? Because you can invest in so many different places. The key is finding an investment that doesn't drain you. Because that's one thing I learned is that if you just do an investment for money, what's the difference between that and working for a paycheck? You know, like you want to find something that's kind of interesting and fun. Like I have a client in Hawaii, like he he came to me, he said like $300,000 he wanted to use. But I said, well, let's look at real estate. He's like, I don't even want to touch real estate. I hate the fact of even thinking about real estate. I'm like, what about syndication in real estate? I don't want to do that. Okay, well, what are you interested in? Oil. I'm like, okay, what have you done? Well, I already bought a couple wells. I'm like, don't do that ever again. (laughs) Like, don't go and buy these individual wells because it's a hit or miss. Like, but here's a fund. Go look at this fund right here that does buy wells, but they buy multiple wells. So now you're diversified a little bit, protects your money maybe look at this direction instead, you know? And so he's doing that he gets a hundred percent write off on all the money he invests. And then he's making tax advantage money from the returns too, you know? So there's always a different way everybody has their own unique recipe or formula they can use to get there. It's just find the right one for you. Right?
1: Got it. So the first thing you say, find out what you're interested in investing in. And then how can you make up your mind which investment to go with? Let's say, you know, I want to go with oil and gas or real estate, whatever it is. How do I know which opportunity is the right one? How do I gain access to those opportunities so I can start, you know, getting cash flow?
0: Yeah. First thing we have to figure out if you're going for cash flow or growth, right? Or both. Like, for example, someone says, you know what, like, I just want to get this money set aside, but I really don't care about making a cash flow right now. Well, cool. We could probably do several different syndications that could work, right? Because they they might not be paying great returns in the first few years, but afterwards, could have a great multiple, right? If they're like, no, I want cash flow now. Well, maybe look at rental real estate, the owning real cash flow and you got some assets and maybe some growth too. And then from there, it's just a matter of, okay, well, what fits? Like, how do we keep reinvesting and growing this? Do we keep going that route? Do we keep just adding to your portfolio? Do we change it? It really comes down to that kind of decision, right?
1: Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And something that you said earlier that I want to better understand, you mentioned the case of a guy that had a million dollars. How do you take a million dollars? And so, you know, obviously, in order to have a $100,000 a year, then we're talking about an investment that generates about 10%, you know, nine and a half ten 10% return every year. So basically, you're living, you're retiring early, you're living off of that cash flow as your money keeps generating more money and what happens, you know, if that doesn't work out, if all of a sudden you're retired early, you know, and then you're expecting to receive, you know, a hundred thousand dollars every year, year one passes by great year two, a hundred K like a clock work, you know, everything goes, works great. Then year three comes along and you're down to $65,000 because something happened with your portfolio. You know, what do you do then? Because at that point, You're basically saying, you know, I I can't retire anymore. I have to go back and find a job. Then what do you do then?
0: Well, that's not much different than people in the stock market when the market goes down, you know, it's like kind of the same thing. But, you know, that's why you don't just throw all your eggs in one basket. You know, like we're not trying to throw all your money into like one syndication, hoping to hit that home run, right? In fact, I even tell people if they're going to invest in syndications, like have smaller percentages versus they're going to buy a property where they own and control it, they can get bigger parts of the portfolio, you know? Everybody's different. I mean, I often will recommend people have the majority of their money in like real real estate, right? Like where they own and control it. They call the shots. There's less of that downside risk. They're not banking on growth. They're more just getting regular boring Watching grass grow, kind of cash flow, right? I actually like boring. I think boring sexy. Personally, I was was about
1: to say I have no problem watching the grass grow. You know, if it there's nothing wrong about that. But yeah, I think if you're looking to retire early, then probably you know if you're owning real estate, there's nothing passive about it. If you're the landlord, you're getting phone calls. You need to go fix the toilets, the termites. I mean,
0: you want a property manager for sure. I made that mistake before the last recession, trying to manage my own properties. It was a headache. It was horrible. So I'm one of those people I like to buy it. The hardest part of me is just buying and picking the property. Then after that, it's like, great, you guys, you handle the works. I just want to make sure I'm getting the profit. Something goes wrong. I can fire you. I can can call the shots, but I'm essentially very passive, not doing a whole lot with it. And that's how I like to play. And most of my clients do too. They're usually kind of passive, right? That's why they want to be. They want to be in that place where they aren't you know actively having to you know make money in real estate they can do it passively even if it means a little bit less return than they would make on their own yeah
1: that absolutely makes you know sense to me well chris thank you so much that was really good i was just curious to know what's the anti financial plan plan and that makes total sense to me So, Chris, you know we've arrived at the lightning round questions, and and I know that you know people are also probably eager to reach out to you. So we're gonna leave that for the last you know question, and we're gonna all the links you know are going to be posted in the show notes. But the first question that we have is, what's your favorite hobby?
0: Running half marathons and full marathons. Oh wow! I, I kind of was a runner in high school, but then I got fatter as I got older, and then I. Dropped like 30 plus pounds and started winning for my age group. So I, I just love competing in that. So <laughs> I'm a runner, you know, I'm, I'm like a Forrest Gump, I guess you could say.
1: Oh, very nice. What's the uh, one thing that people don't know about you besides that you're a runner now?
0: Well, you already mentioned I was, I was a ballroom dancer, right? So most people don't realize that actually I was one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers in the country, in the U.S. In fact, if you ever watched Dancing with the Stars, especially those early seasons, a lot of those people were people I danced with. Like we were on the same teams and the same studios and that kind of thing. So those are some of my friends that were the professionals that were teaching the stars and getting frustrated with how sucky they were. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow.
1: All right. So Chris, what do you wish you had known when you just started investing, you know, mainly in real estate?
0: I wish I would have known to follow my gut. Like there was things I did before the recession hit that, I would have listened to my gut more and and not try to go after the sexy stuff like we were talking about but realize that boring is sexy if i would have done that i probably wouldn't have had the situation i was in i wouldn't have tied up my money in equity and properties i would have kept it out instead of trying to pay off debt i would have just done a very different way of doing it so if i would just listen to my gut my life would have been a lot better
1: all right that's a very good advice you know lastly what's the advice that you have for someone who wants to scale their portfolio
0: you know, the advice is just keep going, you know, like, I mean, one, let go of that traditional mindset, like be okay to say, you know what, maybe these qualified plans, this money I've been putting my savings into, and I keep adding to because I have some employer might match me money may not be worth it. Like to lock up your money could be the very thing that's costing you literally millions and millions of dollars, right? And so I think the best thing you could do is Keep going and go the route of let's trust the process, trust that these investments work. And the mainstream stuff has been proven not to work. People do not retire saving in mutual funds, period.
1: All right. Chris, thank you again for your time. If any of the listeners want to reach out to you and talk about you know, how they can retire early and, and what to do with the money that they have to better manage it, where can they find you? How can they reach out to you?
0: Yeah, two ways. One, you can go to moneyripples.com. That's my website there. I've even got a free ebook on there that's like a half hour read, literally. It's the shortest ebook you've ever seen in your life you got that there. Or you can check out my own podcast, which is called the Chris Miles Money Show. You can find on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use.
1: All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope you know that the listeners enjoyed this conversation and that they got some value out of it, which I'm sure that they did. That's what we have for today, guys. Be bold, be great, keep moving forward, and I'll see you on the next episode.